0: We were talking the last couple weeks about freedom, and as you turn to Galatians 5, which is where we are this morning, I thought what captured it, you know, it really captures one of the the stories Jesus told, and you probably know it. It's about the kid, right, who says to his dad, I hate you. Give me all the money that I was going to have when you die now. And he ran away. Remember, it's Luke 15, the prodigal dad and his two kids. And he ran away and he spent all his money and, he, and he's sitting there eating pig slop and totally just in his sin. And he remembers, oh, my dad actually treats people pretty well. I'll go back and be a slave in his house. And he runs back to, not run, he makes his way back to his dad. But his dad from a far way off is looking for him. And he comes and he lifts his robe and he runs to his kid. This is freedom because the kid in his heart's thinking i'm going to tell dad i'll pay you back i'll be your slave i'll work for you and dad doesn't let the words out of his mouth he hugs him he puts a robe on him he takes away all his guilt and shame says this is my child that is us you know we are lost and against god and here comes god and he adores us all what Jesus has done for us, right? When you say the gospel, we have this amazing theology that Alan was reading just a minute ago. It's so, so deep. We could spend ten sermons on this amazing theology. But it boils down to Jesus Christ has died for you. you don't deserve it. He's for you. And, and, and this changes everything. I think of Karen Robson, who, who died last week. She's not going to come before Jesus and let me lay before you the great things I did for you, Jesus. No. She's walking with her dad who adores her and died for her. And everything's about his love for her. And it's true. This is our faith, right? This is our freedom. This is the when, when, when it says there and it starts in Galatians and we hit this verse last week. We'll pick it up this week. For freedom, Christ has set us free. It's freedom from ourselves. From all the things we try and do right, but they're never right. All the ways we try and say it's about us, but it's never about us. It's always about trusting that Jesus has done it for us. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore. Do not submit again to a yoke of slavery to come back and think it's about you. This honestly, this gift of goodness that we get in Jesus. uh, Righteousness is the same word. Justification is the same word. Goodness. Jesus' goodness, that's the gift that gives freedom. So, I mean, this turns our world upside down, right? Doesn't it? If you really say, okay, I'm with you, Dax, this is the faith that I believe in, this is the trust that I have, is that Jesus paid it all, and I trust him, then the idea is, is that your, your, your world's upside down because this is such, I mean, the, the term we use around here sometimes is left-handed power. It's not just because I'm left-handed. It's because God works in this uncrazy way. This crazy way about that Jesus saved through dying. Not by conquering with great power, but God did this upside-down thing where Jesus is like a criminal hanging on a cross. He saves you not by making you shining in holiness, like, oh, look at the great example that this person is of great righteousness. No, he saves us by resurrecting us from the dead. He he frees you and me from the law by killing us. That's Romans 7. So there's no more you and me to be examined, only him. And this turns our thinking around. We're changed. This is transformation. This is what it is. We're not saved from law to law. Oh, no. Oh, no. There's no new instructions to accomplish to keep God happy with us. Our whole lives are aimed at resting and helping each other trust this amazing gift. The good news we've heard that's gotten into these hearts. By the Holy Spirit. That that's it, right? Christ in us, sealed with the Spirit, given everything, made an heir, simply by God's promise. It's not simply though, it's amazing and deep. It always has been. God for us. Okay, that's a pretty big say, boy, Dax, that's, that's a pretty hard hitting introduction there. Well, yeah, because God has you and me. And this is how our lives and our language changes and our church learning these new ways. And, and even if you've been with us for a little time or a long, you start hearing and you start saying, wow, you know, the theology around here seems a little different. And yeah, there's particular, the language that we use then has different meanings than you might otherwise think. And here in Galatians, Paul lays them out. And so we're going to hit three of them this morning. Always for a sermon, it's three, you know. So the first one is goodness or righteousness. The 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 second one is obedience. And the third one is service or particularly the service of love. What do those mean with this new eyes of God's given us everything and Paul's very wanting us to understand it and so this is this is the idea for freedom Christ has set us free is the ground. You are free. Why am I free? I'm free from me. I'm done. It's all about Jesus and what he's done. My guilt and my shame and sin doesn't keep me from God anymore because it's all paid for. Doesn't mean I love sin, I hate it. But I have a new reality. Don't go back. We did that last week. This week we're looking at these three things. The first is righteousness, particularly the interesting way that we think about the hope of righteousness. So this is from our text, if you haven't want to go to verse 2, Paul says this, he says, Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. So he so starts here, right? And, and the law is the very best of the instruction of the Old Testament. It's, it's the wonder of God's interaction with and relationship with his people. And it was based on them keeping their covenant, circumcision, the Ten Commandments, all, all of it. And Paul says, hey, to start out, just make sure you know that, that you can't pick and choose. This is crazy if you really think about it, because we oh naturally pick and choose. I, I don't think circumcision is much of anything, but the Ten Commandments, moral living, that's a big deal. I think we should all be doing that. You know, I don't care so much about the law in the Old Testament about how you can't wear two kinds of linen in your shirt. i got a mix polyester, rayon, whatever, you know. But I care a lot if you covet or you steal or you lie. Those bad things don't do them. So we kind of started, but 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 Paul said, if it's about you staying in relationship with God, it's about you obeying all the things that He's told His people to do in the Mosaic Covenant. So you can't just say, you know, like oh, I know circumcision doesn't matter so much anymore, but the moral bits do. It's a system. If you're under the system, that's the relationship you have with God and it's based on your keeping the Mosaic Covenant and then you're obligated to the whole thing. That's what he starts with, right? And we know how that turns out. We already know from other places. That turns out with no Jesus. There's no Christ in that. There's just the need for him because we're so bad at keeping the law. In fact, we know that because of what he says here. Look what he says. He says, you are severed from Christ. You who would be righteous, good, justified by the law. You have fallen away from grace. Well, that's pretty strong. So if you're going to find your righteousness by your obedience to the law, Paul says you're lost. This isn't for salvation. This is for after salvation relationship with God. He's talking about the whole thing. You know, remember what the law is. Remember. Remember, this is it's important. Because otherwise you're like, oh, those dusty, old, musty, mosaic laws. No, no, no. This is the, the law that Jesus affirmed is summarized correctly by love God and love your neighbor. If you find your relationship with God based on how well you love God and love your neighbor, you are lost, you are removed from grace, you are severed from Jesus. He's strong. He's like he's like swinging with a, with a hammer. That's because the message of the gospel is Jesus is for us, God loved us and rescued us and we trust that message and Jesus is our goodness, full stop. That's what the Spirit cries out to us in our hearts. And, and here it is simply stated, for through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. Okay, I, very important that you see this. In fact, let's read the next verse too. For in Jesus Christ, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything but only faith working through love. So, so this first thing, it's, it's through the Spirit, right? For through the Spirit, the life we live is supernatural. It's, it's not reasonable. It's not logical. We say logically, what I think God would do is that he would take people who were really bad, like this young prodigal. Remember him? Jesus told a story. And, and, and then he comes back, and, and what would logically happen is that, that you'd put the robes on him, and you'd give him the hug, and you'd give him the forgiveness, and now there would be a long track history of how great the kid did. You remember the story there in Luke 15? It's totally silent. It's not the point. It's like the love of God is the point. God adores him, he accepts him, he takes him into his family. And then the child became more faithful. No, that's not it, right? No, that, that's, that's not it. So through the Spirit, by faith, we eagerly wait. What are we waiting for? The hope of righteousness. Back, let's go back and look at 5 again. The hope of righteousness. Like, like this puts to death a lot of the ways that we tend to think about this stuff, which is this. It's like, oh, I was really bad. I came and accepted Jesus, and now God is starting to make me good. Well, then it wouldn't say hope of righteousness. It would say righteousness. But that's not it. We await the hope of right. What is he talking about? He's talking about this amazing God who, by promise, has spoken a word to you that says, You're saved. And you know what's happening? There will be a time. It's called the resurrection when you be resurrected from the dead to life in him that never stops and you will never sin again. I know that's not now. How do I know? I've got a mirror. Well, that's your problem, Dax. Okay, come up after us. I've got to meet you. If you never sin. I wanna know who you are. We gotta get the halo out for you. It's not true, right? And that doesn't mean I don't want that. I, I know I wanna never sin anymore. But, but the reality is my faith, my trust, is in the hope of righteousness, which is the appearing of Jesus again, and I get to be with my savior. That's what Paul's saying. I mean, this is experientially true. And and we don't start, right? It's not like, oh, when I was younger, I knew Jesus. I I, I didn't do very well. But now that I'm older, and know Jesus, I shine much more. No, that's just not. Again, maybe it's true of you. It's not true of me. As I've gotten older, I see more of my sin. Oh, I, I depend more on Jesus. I grow in many ways. But in the idea of you getting shinier, holier, more righteous, Right? No, I stay in this hope. We're eagerly waiting, not eagerly arriving. Okay, and we live by faith. Our de- so are our declaring ourselves gods, Are our doing things for God, whether rules or actions like circumcision, they don't mean anything, he says, right? That's what he says. Neither circumcision or uncircumcision mean anything, but only faith working through love, faith energized by love. You're not careful right here. You'll do some crazy things with this short phrase. You'll take it totally out of the context that Paul is speaking in and try and take it all away from Paul. The easiest way to get what's going on, uh, the easiest way is one of the ways you can translate that is, is is faith working through love and it's it's the faith God gives you and the love of God. Like as you trust God, he's working through you with his love to bless whoever he wants, right? You can think of it that way. It's not faith producing your love. It's his love. Love is not the ground for you. Trust is. You say, oh, doesn't faith work? Yes, it does. It produces, right? Of course it does. And what it produces is a care and concern for other people because of faith. So faith is the ground, and what it means is I'm an heir. I'm forgiven by God, and so I get this amazing thing. I was a prodigal, and they come, and Lord, was, I'll serve you, God. I'll do it. He doesn't mean let me have the words out. He, he rose me, and he closed me in his righteousness, and he says, you're mine, kid. And 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 the the thing that changes me isn't just that. It's also that I know that's you. You're that person, too. I mean, think about that for a minute with me. Because almost always what I want to do when I see somebody is I want them to have practical change towards a better holy living. Not I want it, want them to know the wonder that Jesus Christ adores them and died for them and they're clothed in the righteousness of God. Them. Not based on their works at all. But, but when I get this, when I say, no, my trust is here. We're in the hope of righteousness together. I'm not put off by somebody's sin. Of course they're a sinner. I, I'm, not, I'm not put off by anything. Except this idea that you don't trust that your only hope is in Jesus. See, I look now at broken you and flawed you and, I, and, and your beloved like me. That, that puts me in a different mindset. It is not faith to see love as a way to gain status or to prove your worth or to increase your goodness. None of that goes along with the gospel message. Only faith as I'm incredibly loved already. I have nothing to prove. And knowing that you, leads me towards this worldview that I, I, I wow, I know God's going to use me to bless those around me. And I want that. I hope you want it too. Because God adores you. And you know what? God adores me too. How do I know? The Bible tells me so. This is what we're talking about. Faith, trusting Jesus, it leads me to understand that that righteousness is his and I will have all of his goodness as I am clothed in Christ. How am I clothed in Christ? By trusting him. Because he said he will clothe me. Right? So, so this is the first focus, not increasing personal righteousness, but waiting for the hope of righteousness. Big deal for Paul. Paul says, hey, you've been set free. That doesn't mean you don't want righteousness, but we're waiting for the hope of it. Very different than how people say, well, what you need to do is increase your personal righteousness. I don't know that you got much. Okay, that's first. Here's, here's the second. The race of obedience. Oh, this is good from Paul. He says this, you were running well. Okay, I've got to go back. Which of these guys is running well? There's a big debate in the office this week. Brandon was like, "Which guy am I?" I'm like, I don't know. Is it's a guy in green running well, or is the other? They're both trying to run well. They're both striving. They're both pushing forward, right? So here's Paul. He says, "You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth?" Interesting, right? Because who, who hasn't heard trust and obey? So are, are you obeying? And here we have Paul saying, You're running well. I, I think that means you were obeying. You, you you were doing the thing. You were doing the thing that you needed to do. You were you were running the race. And on this running and striving race we have in other places, including Philippians 3, you have these ideas of Paul, and he's striving for, for the goal of the gospel of Jesus. And and so we get in our heart, okay, I gotta I gotta I gotta obey. Yes, indeed. But he's saying they were, and now they've been. Hindered, they aren't. And so when we hear this, obey, said, Oh, great, but obey what? And the reality is, it's not trust and obey because he's talking about you were trusting Christ alone. That was your obedience. You were running well, means you were obeying what you're supposed to obey, means you were trusting in the gospel. I was there, he said, I gave you this message of Jesus alone, full stop. I told you that he's for you. I said, your sins are forgiven and you received this incredible salvation. You took communion with me and that's running well. But now people are coming in and saying, you know, it's not trust is obedience. It's trust and then obey. You know what God wants to do with your trust? He wants to bring you into a deeper relationship. Get circumcised. Do the law here's the list of rules. And Paul's like that's actually stopping running well. It's radical. This is radical stuff. Right? Because people get in their head that what God wants is this sort of some sort of obedience that they're saying usually to the law, but it's post trust, like somehow trust isn't obedience. This uh, where is it 8? This persuasion This persuasion is not from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view, and the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. You see, someone was taking away from Paul's incredible radical gospel. Yes, Jesus, but now blank. So so, so if it's the whole thing. We've done this tons. You know this. I, I, I overuse it because it's like a cup of coffee. I don't even drink coffee. But I know if I put a little pee in my coffee, I'm really not going to drink it. And that's Paul. He says you put a little law back in the gospel. It's not the gospel anymore. It's been changed. Don't do it. But if I, he says, or a still brother, still preach circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. Side note, famous favorite verse in Galatians, which would take a sharp knife to themselves. Dude, this is strong. I mean, it's sarcastic. They took a little piece off. He said, you take the whole thing. I wish I would just do it. This is Paul the Apostle, and he's doing this publicly. He's saying, This is what it is, you guys. This is so bad. The offense of the cross is ta- what's the offense of the cross? That nobodies, that sinners get the full favor of God. Why is that great? It's great because I'm a sinner. Why would I think that's bad? Because I don't think I'm a sinner. Those guys are sinners. You know those guys over there I'm not pointing at anyone in our body now. Learn my lesson. I used to point over there, then those poor people got them then they throw over here. I should point in the middle. Yeah, but, but that's what we think, right? Saying some of the guys over there are too bad that when they when they clean up then they'll come to Christ. No, the people that got Christ without cleaning up was me. The change that I made was a change of mind to say, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not I'll am not i never make it. I, I need help. I need a savior. And that's changing my mind about how I'm going to heaven. It's by Jesus and what he's done. And so here I am and I, here I stand. And we proclaim it with all of our heart. But we're always tempted, because I'm in my flesh, to start judging it again. I'm a little better than you. Right? And so Paul's so strong. The very best of us. Oh, we believe Jesus died for us and he did it so we can obey him now more and more. That's not why you did it. He doesn't need your obedience. The rocks will cry out. So Paul says, you fool. You're separating trust and obey. You shouldn't. The trust is the obedience. That's John 6:29. In fact, I think I might have it here. No, that's 1 John 4. But John 6, 29, right, is what's the work of God? They said, well, the work of God is to believe in him who he has sent. That's the work. The message is that Jesus Christ has paid it all. And so when you say, okay, he paid it all, but it was so that I will do these things over here, then you're setting up a new set of rules. And so the reason why is because what if you don't do those things? Well, then you weren't really trusting because trusting is getting the stuff done. No, trusting is in He did it. The very message undermines that whole construct. Paul says the race is this the race is this to hold on to Jesus. As everyone pushes and says you're not good enough, take on more tasks, do something for God, keep him happy, please him. And we tell each other, we hold arms together, we take communion together, we say, you know what, it's all a gift, and yeah, I want to gift you, and I want to love you, I do, it has nothing to do with anything about my standing, it's because Jesus loves you too. I'm free. Okay, two areas so far. One, righteousness, and thinking about righteousness being the hope of righteousness. Not finding righteousness in ourselves, but finding in what Jesus has done for us. That's first. The second thing is obedience, and think about obedience not as God really wants you to keep him happy by making sure you do these rules, but it's no, it's the obedience of trust. Two big things that our freedom leads to. Here's the third. The service of love. Important, this piece. And he says in verse 13, he says, For you are called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Okay, we've been called to freedom. That's the spirit crying out in our hearts, Dad, you are his. Our guilt and shame is gone. Our sin no longer keeps us from God. We've received forgiveness. In him we have full righteousness. The righteousness of Christ we get clothed with. All by promise, what Jesus has done for us, so we are free. Not free to do good things we couldn't do before, but free from ourselves. Right? From the accounting and the measuring, all of that stuff. But then we come to this. Only. And what my ear hears is, but. But. There's a caveat, but don't use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. So is he taking it all away again? We're free, you know, but really now you're given a bondage to love. You're put under a new rule, a new burden, a new load, and now it's love, but it was love before. At least if you accept that the the New Testament definitely, clearly states that the whole law is fulfilled. The law is summarized. It's correctly stated as love God with all your heart and love your neighbor like yourself. What does he mean? This is important for you. Because otherwise you're going to be tempted to do exactly what Paul is wanting to like, take a knife to people for doing and for pulling people this way. What does he mean? So how people sometimes say people want to do this, not realizing that the law is love God, love people, So they, they but if you do, you could say it this way. This is kind of how people, you are free from the law, but don't use your freedom. Rather, use your freedom to do the law. You're free from the law, but don't use it. Use your freedom to do the law. Is that what's going on here? God's giving you a chance to sort of willingly do what you couldn't willingly do before? I don't think so. Well, then what? Well, walk it through with me. So you are called to freedom, a huge statement, undergirding everything. Jesus has set you free from the burden of carrying your relationship with God. He's got you. That's one. But, but don't use that to build up your flesh, he says. Well, what's that? How would your flesh be built up? having this amazing freedom of Christ. Here's how it gets built up. This is it. Think about this through with me. I'm free, but you're not. I'm free. My guilt and shame are gone, but I'm gonna keep you under it. Right, by how I do. He says, watch out, this is a temptation to do. You have to do things my way or else you aren't God's. Do you see what he's getting at? We can use freedom as a law like anything else. I'm free but you're still under bondage. Let me give you a silly example. Halloween's coming up. Saying, well, you guys, I'm free because I give out full-size candy bars. People come to my house to get a full-size candy bar. You, silly people, you turn out your lights and act like you're not home. What am I doing? I'm making freedom based on some sort of thing about how you decide about what you want to do about Halloween. That's what am I doing. I'm trying to say I'm better than you. And the choices you make, or they were, we'll, we'll get out the standard, you and I, we'll come over to the law, you and I, and we'll get it out and say, okay, who's right about whether you should give out candy bars on Halloween? Boy, you know it's an evil holiday. But why are you giving out candy bars? Or you're hiding, like, like you're hiding? You, you, you think your neighbors are going to love that there you are? You're afraid to even deal with them? Who's right? We've got to decide. We've got to figure it out because one is love and one is not. No, 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 you're not thinking rightly. You're wanting to use your freedom, which is you, you can do either one. Your sin doesn't separate you from God, even if you're wrong. What's grounded and what you're grounded in is Jesus Christ adores me and because he adores me, I'm free to turn out my lights and go watch a movie in the back room. Or Jesus adores me and I'm free to like give out candy bars and say, hey, you know what, we're a house that loves to give things away. Come by any time, neighborhood kids. Only, don't make a mess. You know, whatever it is, right? But the, but if I'm doing the other, I'm looking at you and saying, well, my way is good and your way is bad, and therefore I can use my freedom. I'm free. I can do what I want to say. You can't, and you got to be like me. Paul says that that's the flesh. That's building up yourself. That that's the idea. Your freedom. Your flesh means I, 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 I'm doing it right. But the whole message of the gospels, we don't do it right. We, we, we rather we live in forgiveness. It is most definitely a we live in forgiveness. Not I. Anything you don't do right, I'm probably doing right. No, I'm probably doing worse. My own heart, how I evaluate it. My only hope is Jesus. I'm a prodigal kid. I wander off the reservation. There I am judging again. And and I need, what do I need? Forgiveness. What do I have? Forgiveness by Jesus and what he's done. The gospel says we're in the same boat. Incredibly forgiven. This is the statement he's getting at, right? Through love, serve one another. Well, what's the love? I sat in the right place, but it's 1 John 4, 16. I've come to know and believe the love that God has for us. Community is happening, and is happening around the gospel. Don't use your freedom to break community, but to form it. And, and love is huge, and it's beautiful. We don't do it well, but Paul says, Look, you know the law is love. Uh, look at this with me. It's, it's important to get this. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Paul's like, Yeah! The law equals love. By the way, this is after the New Testament, this is after the Sermon of the Mount, this is after Paul, he gets the message, he wrote Romans, he's, he's, he's talking about, what is he saying? Who fulfilled the law? Jesus Christ fulfilled the law for you. You understand what that means in your heart. The one who loved you better than you could ever be loved is Jesus. This is what we together receive. We have received this love. And not so you will love your neighbor as yourself. You obviously don't. They'd stop accusing me, Swanson. I know you don't. I don't. It never ends. I can always give more. I can always love you more. You know, you could be loved better by other people in this church. And anybody who said, oh, no, we, I, I love better than anyone. No, you're just putting burdens on people. How do you know? This is the truth. I have been loved. I have been loved perfectly. By who? By Jesus. He fulfills the law. He laid down, and guess what? I'm in him. I died. The law has nothing more to say to me. I couldn't do it. I can't do it. But I've got Jesus. He both did it, and He lavishes out on me and you. This is where He's going. Because the whole idea is that you have this freedom where Christ has set you free, but you're tempted to go and start accusing each other about what you're doing. And that's the point. If you bite and accuse and devour one another, watch out, you're not consumed by one another. That might be God calling in to say, wait a minute, Swanson. Swanson. I'm convinced Paul and Galatians is so strong and it's so different than what I want to say because in my flesh, I want Dax to be shining. I want, and I'm using myself in the third person, how prideful, but there I am. I want to be the one, the one, but there is the one he died on a cross. He rose from the dead. He's interceding for me. Now he's preparing a place for me and not just me for you. That changes everything. And if I bite and devour and try and say, no, you're not doing it. Come, come do more like me. You need to be more like me. That's that's actually the opposite of what's going on. You're saying you're not free. But Jesus has made you free, free from yourself. Okay. It's not a return to the law. It's not a let's measure your love. Paul is saying freedom is a critical consequence of trusting Jesus. It's a gift of the Spirit, and it's not just yours. It's all these other people who also Jesus loves. And by His Spirit, they are trusting Him. Therefore, they are heirs like you. The, the, the freedom is freedom from guilt and shame and freedom of forgiveness and righteousness given, and so then I have no place to make other people be me to have my take on what freedom should look like beyond trusting Jesus. This is so radical and it's so open to abuse. I know, I know, but it's the message. It's the gospel. It is utterly incredible and upside down. It is upside down that righteousness would not be about you getting stronger and better. It's not, it's a gift from Jesus. It's crazy. How could you, how could you put your trust in that? Well, you see, I had this message, and the Holy Spirit got it in my heart, and I believe it, that Jesus Christ is the end of righteousness for everyone who believes. The law's done. He is my righteousness. It's upside down that obedience looks not like sort of getting his kingdom built, because that's what I would say. It's like, hey, Jesus got his followers together, and we got a good troop army, so we're going to go build... We're going to build Babel together. (laughs) We're going to build a big tower for Jesus. Are you crazy? He's going to come out of the sky. Heaven's going to come down. He can do anything he wants. He doesn't need that. Your reasonable service is to trust him. You're living and holy and blameless by what he's done. So it's upside down, right? Not rational, I would think that he's, you know, the reason why he's having me trust him is he wants me to do something for him. But that's the flesh. It's upside down that serving in love is holding fast to forgiveness that Christ has, not just for me, but for other people. It's why we're a community of absolution. When confession, we can be transparent with our sin because it doesn't keep us from God, but we need to hear that Jesus forgives us. It's the most precious thing you can say. You have forgiveness in Christ, and it's real. And sometimes you're believing it more for me than I am because I need you to say it to me, the gospel again, and get it in my heart. And the Holy Spirit uses you to get it in my heart that the gospel's true. In spite of my falling down again, in spite of the circumstances that I've been afflicted with, in spite of the things that don't look, I don't see with my eyes, like I'm advancing and climbing and things are going well. No, God is for you every moment. This is the gospel. How can these things be only with a God who rejoices over the lost, who rescues the enslaved, who raises the dead? (laughs) Through his own death, right? On the cross. The only goodness you will ever have, it's not your own, I'll, I'll end with this, that we might be found in him, Paul writes in Philippians. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through trusting in Jesus, faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. We have that by promise right now and forever. It's okay if this particular message this morning hits you a little strange. Because it's not what we hear in the Christian community so often. It's okay if you have objections. And I'll, man, time come talk to me. We can talk about John 13. We can talk about the different places where Jesus says to love. And why that is an amazing expression of trusting him. But, but for today, you've got to know what freedom brings. You have a breath of freedom. And that is, it's freedom from yourself. Your shame and guilt are gone. You can stand without having to hide. You are his by what he's done for you, simply by saying, yes, I want this. I receive it. Could I please have it? Let's encourage each other to hope and to trust and to live in the freedom that Jesus Christ has purchased for us now and forever, even and especially when we're too weak to fully grab hold, right? Because it's not about the strength of my grip. It's about the strength of his. He is strong enough for you.